Chris Byrne, are you ready for Toy Fair? <laughs> Richard Gottlieb, I'm ready for the 117th New York Toy Fair, and I haven't been to all of them. Well, how uh, many have you been to? Uh, this will be my 42nd Toy Fair. Yeah, I started going in, I think, 85. So that's uh, 35 years. Right. Yeah. So, uh, no, I have not been going as long as, as you have, but I have been going, you know, back when we, we had a toy building. Right. Uh, Javits was very much uh, secondary. It was secondary, and and it was 10 days. I don't know if you, back in the late 70s and early 80s, uh, it started on a Friday, and it went all the way through the following Monday a week. So it was a long, long time. And and if you were um, a young fellow like me uh, from the boondocks coming to New York uh, on an expense account uh, for a week, 10 days, that was uh, quite an experience. I bet. I And I, I was I was coming in from my $205 a month apartment in Brooklyn. <laughs> Uh, something that I think that makes us a migratory people. If, if we were a culture, we're migratory because we come back to the same kind of locations each year. You can count on it with the seasons. I mean, we go to, we go to Hong Kong, we go to Germany, but mostly here in the United States, we show up in New York City right. uh, unwisely in February when it's very cold and <laughs> snowy and we don't know why we do it, but we do it. Um, and I think part of what makes Toy Fair charming is that return home, in a sense, uh, where we gather. And I, and I refer to it as tribes. Right. You know, you got the tribe of the designers and the tribe of the, of the salespeople, and, and et cetera. And I, I think it's a very exciting time when all the tribes come together. And there's nothing like it. And as, as Marion Bassard was talking to us a few weeks ago. We were talking about the the human interaction and how important that is as a component of of the show and being able to see what's out there. And certainly, certainly for us to be able to get a ten thousand foot view of everything out there, though there's no way in four days we can see everything. Well, you know, I I look back to what you're referring to, uh, in in uh, very frankly, in those days there were a lot more customers. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to just real quickly, just in, in the Northeast alone, there were, there was Caldor, there was Bradley's, there was Ames, there was James Way, uh, there was, uh, did I say Bradley's? Right, Lionel Leisure. Right, um, and, and Child World and, and Toys R Us. Now that was just headquarters in, in the New York, New Jersey, New England right. area. And so <clears throat> when you... Uh, you had a lot of customers to see. And not to mention independents. There were tons of independents, uh, Kitty City, uh, the, the uh, franchises, and, and Toys R Us even back then. Uh, and wholesalers. And wholesalers and distributors. And it was it was a big deal. And it was an order writing show. People came and they looked at things yes. and they, they wrote orders. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and so it was, there was a reason why it extended for a long time. And it mostly took place... In the toy buildings, twenty uh, third right. and in Broadway and Fifth, where all that comes right. together in the Flatiron District, um, and uh, the meetings would last longer. When people came into your showroom, they were there for a while. Right, uh, Chris. Just you know, for the, for some of you out there who are or been around for a while, just a few nostalgic moments. Uh, I, I know about you, Chris, but I can just remember 
in the toy building how busy the elevators were. Yeah, and then, <laughs> you climbed the stairs. <laughs> yeah, you used the stairs instead. Uh, I can remember um, the L.A. coffee shop on the first floor right. where everybody would kind of congregate and you'd get your coffee in Danish down there. Right. Um, and um, I can remember how they used to, to park uh, uh, Thomas the Tank Engine out front uh, I remember going to a party where uh, Miffy the Elephant, I don't know if anybody remembers Miffy the Elephant, but I remember <laughs> I do, that, that, that she hit me in the eye with her trunk. It was not intentional. <laughs> I remember that. Do you have any memories you want to share? Well, I some of them from, from way back when I was at CBS Toys. I mean, there were always stunts happening outside the, the toy building. And we were working on a game called Murder to Go. And basically what we did was we spray painted body outlines all, <laughs> on, the, on the, the street all around the toy industry. And we had to do it in the middle of the night because, of course, it's completely illegal. Um, and we did that like for the, the days of setup. And then we uh, then the day of Toy Fair, that like two in the morning, we're spray painting a stencil of where you could see murder to go on a couple of them. So that was fun. And, and one of my very favorite toy toy memories is uh, I was working with a company and Shari Lewis. We were working with Shari Lewis and I adored Shari. Uh, and we were at, a, she had just done a presentation for Walmart and the head of sales, and she still had lamb chop on her hand. And the head of sales uh, said, well, we're concerned that Walmart is not going to uh, purchase the level that we thought, what should we tell them? And I will swear to this day that Lamb Chop said, tell them to go. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she she was just funny and dear and remembered everybody. And, and that was quite, that was just fun. That was the dark side. That was the, the dark Lamb side Chop. of Lamb Chop. <laughs> you know, Toy Fair was also a time of great competition and spying and, and, Again, when I was at CBS Toys, I mean, all the creatives, we were behind lock and key. And if you didn't have business back there, you didn't know the code, so you couldn't get back there. And I remember one year, Matchbox, uh, I, was, I was working on them, and Matchbox came out with a line of dolls called Real Models. And it was Real Models at the time. I don't remember who they were, like Cheryl Teagues and people who were really hot at the time. Well, by the end of Toy Fair, Barbie models were out and it was that competitive with all that sort of espionage that was going wow. on and uh matchbox never really was able to uh to recover because barbie was a you know was still is a juggernaut but it was that kind of flexibility and that they could move that fast i remember eating a lot i remember <laughs> was i was working for western publishing company and for lunch right and those of you who don't remember Western, Western at one time was like second or third largest toy company. Uh, did little golden books and that's lots sort of, thing. of puzzles. They right. uh, they published uh, Trivial Pursuit, right? And, and Pictionary. They would bring in pizza and cold cuts and and so you would eat like a big breakfast and then you'd eat this huge lunch right. and then you'd go out at night. And by the time you ended Toy Fair, you would easily gain <laughs> five pounds. I remember eating a lot at Toy Fair. Right. Right. Well, when we were working on PR, we knew that there were there were some editors who always came to who always came to our showroom because Ideal put on a really great lunch back then. <laughs> they put on a really great lunch, and, and we would snacks. We would, oh, snacks. We would we would look at our calendars for editors who were coming through, and it was like from eleven to two. It was it was jam packed every day because they say, "Oh, can I grab a bite to eat?" And of course, you said yes. <laughs> with the place to be. Toy Fair was always a big event from a publicity standpoint as well. I mean, when I was working PR for CBS Toys, 
we had TV crews that came from Ohio, from Philadelphia, from the Pacific Northwest. I mean, it was a destination and it was huge and people people reported on it. And there were huge parties as well. We went to the Jurassic Park party at the Museum of Natural History, the Grinch who stole Christmas party at the Armory. I mean, all of these these things, they just kept going and going and going. It was huge. And, and Chris, you know, also I mentioned that, that Toy Fair used to be a far more international show right. than it is now. You know, the South Americans now go to Hong Kong uh, they used to come to New York, and there was a lot of folks uh, from particularly Argentina yes. and Brazil and Colombia and Chile. had a big representation from Chile. Uh, and, and I can remember uh, seeing buyers from Iran. How's that? Yeah. And that's pre-Ayatollah <laughs> Iran. You know? And so um, it, was, it was quite different. Uh, I mean, it's more of a national show now, right. uh, regional. But then it was truly an international show. And, and the toy distribution has changed it a lot. I mean, people from Europe used to come here to see what they were going to get next year. Mm-hmm. So if you're here yes. in 1983, you're seeing what's going to be happening in 1983 in the U.S. It's not going to get to Europe till 1984. Yes, so. that's very true. That's and true. now we have, we have global launches. So here we are 117 years <laughs> in. Uh, we got a lot of stuff going on this year. It's going to be a little bit different than, than we've seen in the past. The biggest piece that I see is that we're just going to be a lot fewer Asians at the show. I've communicated with a number of people from China who aren't coming because there's a, a two-week incubation period. Right. I wonder where they put you for two weeks. I mean, it's really, it's rather chilling if you think about it. The Ritz-Carlton? Probably uh, not. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> so. So they're not coming. Right. And so the China Pavilion, which has been part of this thing for decades, not going to happen this right. year. Uh, and so um, I, I, I'm really not sure yet what this is going to mean uh, until I get to the show. We had Hong Kong, but we didn't have as many folks go to Hong Kong. Right. And now we have a toy fair without people from Hong Kong and China in attendance. And so we're going to have to see what this is going to mean uh, in terms of product development, uh, product selection, relationships. Uh, and production. There, I've talked to a couple of companies that are having a hard time getting their samples in to even show at Toy Fair because they can't get them out of China. Uh, so there's there's certain concern about that. The factories haven't ramped up yet to... They are to, back. But they're back, but they haven't ramped up yet. And so there's question about, well, when the factories all get going again... What about shipping? Because there's a finite number of containers that are going to be able to bring things across the Pacific. So what does this all mean? Nobody knows going into the show. Are, are you excited this year? I'm always excited. I, I, I'm i always excited to see what's new. And we've had a, a foretaste of a lot of this stuff from what we saw in Hong Kong and Germany. But I think that this is the time when things have moved to the next step, the, the sort of uh, simpler Prototypes that we saw in Hong Kong and then in Germany have been developed further. Uh, companies know a little bit about what's going to get listed. So things that were questionable, whether or not they were going to be in lines in Hong Kong, now they know they're getting listings. So so those are moving forward. So I think it's going to be a pretty exciting time. It's, you know, it should be, uh, it's all about new toys. So I think, yes, it will be good. You know, Chris, uh, 
Toy of the Year awards are coming up Friday night. The Toadies. The Toadies. And uh, I would I, I would just like to say I love the Toadies, but it's always uh, makes you a little sad when you tell people that you're going to the Tony Awards and they get very excited because they thought you said the Tony Awards. <laughs> and then you have to say, no, no, it's the Tony Awards. That would be my other mothership. <laughs> and then you have to explain what the Toy of the Year was. But but it's a very, very nice uh, event. Uh, quite large. Right. And uh, some very nice snacks. <laughs> it's a t- you and your snacks. You like yeah, your snacks. Snacks are important. Uh, snacks are important. Well, I think it's I think it's a good year to honor a lot of things out there. There's some there's some small companies that have that have gotten the nod for the nomination. Who knows if they if they'll win? But but one uh, toy that I've really loved called Create a Castle, uh, which is basically a spring form molding system to create sand castles that got nominated. Uh, we'll see if LOL Surprise is going to dominate again. Uh, they certainly, uh, they certainly dominating the industry overall. Now you are on the committee, aren't you? I'm on the nominating committee. Yeah. And uh, can you tell us any secrets about that? Well, there's not, there's not that many secrets. It's, it's like any nominating process. There's a lot of uh, things nominated in a category, and we try to to narrow it down to seven. And they've done a great job this year. Uh, in the past couple of years, I have to hand it to the Toy Association to make sure that things that are that are uh, nominated are both selling and still and were continued through the year. Because in the past, we've seen things that were discontinued uh, get a nomination. That doesn't invalidate them as toys, but I think that that uh, when we're calling and all this attention to the toys, well, it's it invalidates important. them as relevant. Right. Uh, so, Chris, when you guys, when you, Chris Burn, uh, make selections. For the committee, what are the criteria that that are you're looking at? Well, we're we're looking at fun, we're looking at design, we're looking at marketing because that's so important in this in this uh, culture in this market right now. We're looking at uh, the competitive frame, what it's what it's up against. Uh, is it breakthrough? Is it original? Is it something that we've seen and and having kicked around for a long time? I tend to know. No, that was around in 1985, and in another guys, um, which some of the younger people on the on the panel don't know. But I, but I definitely think it's it's really looking for that innovative, breakthrough, creative product, and also trying to celebrate not just the big guys because they do great stuff, but also some of the smaller companies that are really trying to innovate. What what you just listed, some of it's quantitative, some of it's qualitative, right? But I'm intrigued by this notion of is it fun? And uh, which is really an abstract <laughs> concept, or it's kind of individualistic. And and um, is do we have a way to define fun, or is it up to the individual? Well, it's always up to the individual. But I I tend to think that things that are fun are things that engage the imagination. Uh, toys that are aren't complete without the child. You don't want to be able to wind it up. I say this a lot. You wind it up, go have a sandwich, <laughs> right. and come back, and it's still doing what it was doing. And you go, was that play? And I, I always think some on some level, sorry about this, the, the plastic is irrelevant. Uh, it's how the child brings it to life in the imagination. And the, it's like a totem in the, in the pure Freudian sense. So does it, is it, does it provoke play? Maybe that's right. the issue. Is, it, is that's what fun is. It provokes the child to play rather than just to ignore it or look at it. Exactly. To, to engage them and want to do more. One time I had an opportunity to... Um, be at a child's birthday party, uh, and the child had received um, an affluent family, and the child had received a uh, a, a Lego Death Star, which 
I like four hundred and fifty dollars. Right. It was extremely, you know. And when I came up, uh, he was in the yard uh, playing with a balsa wood airplane <laughs> that cost a, a dollar. And, right. Or, or, or well, I don't know how much they are now, but it's very inexpensive. And and I and he was having the just the time of his life. And I'm right. I'm not knocking the the Lego Death Star. I'm just saying, if if I could calculate the cost of the product uh, as a ratio of the fun and right. the time played, you would get a, a way to calculate play play power. Right. You know, and uh, so I, I I really think it's interesting uh, to think in terms of what what is fun, and and so right. I really like this thought of it of of the, it provokes joy, provokes uh, a, a desire to continue to play with it for a right. while, to play with it again and again, you know, right. and to bring it and to bring it to life, and I think that's one of the things we've seen with things like Shopkins, and I, I keep mentioning LOL Surprise, but any of these collectibles where kids create an entire world, and that world exists in their imagination. And, you know, what better example of this than slime? I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> slime is, it's just, it's glue and borax. Well, now they have non-toxic, <laughs> now they have non-toxic activators, but it's, it's glue and an activator and some kind of color and they've made all this kind of great stuff out of it and kids love it it's tactile it's very different from other things they play with and it's it's got staying power i think it's important for those of us adults who work in this industry to try to remember back what it was like to be six or seven years old and you were proportionally much smaller so the toys seem much bigger uh and that that sense of reality and and fantasy wasn't quite so distinct. You know, I right. can remember playing with, um, I think it was a fort, you know, and there was like uh, knights on the inside. Uh -huh. and, 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 and I remember feeling very real to me. Sure. I mean, you know, and, and so it's the ability for an adult to, to capture that sense of what it is to be a child. And I think there's some people in the toy industry who do a great job of that. Right. Well, Playmobil, for example, they do a great job of... of creating that open-ended narrative yeah. play and and they've got some some really cool things coming out and and they are uh one of them is called novel more which is an uh, extension of their knights but it's got a great storyline and it's funny uh i think i'm i'm excited to see more from them on that uh, really and i think that um uh, isaac larian uh, mga continues to churn out uh, very popular products with girls because he i think intuits Right, how, how girls play, and, and as children, not as you know, not from a, an adult's perspective, but inside of a child's mind. And I think he understands how they approach fashion, how they how they interact with fashion, because it's like I always say, like for a little kid, if a little glitter is good, a lot of glitter <laughs> is much better. And and if you look at some of the dolls that Isaac and his teams, his great teams, come up with, they are definitely over the top. They are over the top, but that's sort of wild for kids, and it stimulates fantasy play as opposed to something that's a little bit more conservative or realistic. Chris, there's a, a lot of categories. There are a lot of categories and a lot of companies represented. I think we're going to be there a long time. <laughs> Usually. Uh, hope, I do hope they have good snacks. Uh, <laughs> but I, I just want to mention that I'm, I'm looking on here is, is um, the nominees, and, I'm, and I am seeing uh, a lot of the large, uh, familiar companies. Sure. Uh, and, but it's nice to see some of the smaller ones. For instance, I'm, and these are not small companies, but they are smaller companies. Right. McFarland Toys uh, has a nomination here for Action Figure of the Year. 
Um, and then I see uh, Just Play and Play Monster and Far Out Toys, Skyrocket Toys uh, for Collectible of the Year. So there are some of the uh, non-publicly held companies seem to be holding their own. And I think it, it, it underscores that this is a product-driven business and that kids don't care about they, they're not loyal to companies, they're loyal to toys. And it's the same thing with, with watching television. They're not loyal to a platform any longer. They're loyal to a show that they love. So they will find it. Uh, and I think that that's, I mean, I kind of like that, that they're, that they're buying, kids are, kids are buying what they want. Right. And I noticed, uh, here's the musical Lily Llama by the Manhattan Toy Company. <laughs> yes. So llamas are, are continuing to... Uh, uh, even though they're tertiary animals, they're tertiary. Well, the other tertiary animal to watch for this year is the sloth, and we 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 had sloth rumblings in 2019. I think we're going to see the sloth in much more uh, evidence this year. I think many of us can relate to the sloth. <laughs> By the end of Toy Fair, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, we got another animal, baby shark. Baby shark. Pink Fong has a has a nomination. Uh, as a matter of fact, they're. Um, Nominated in more than one category, but that's not shocking, uh, based on the, the the sheer popularity of that song. They've been a they've, it's been a phenomenon, and that's that's been kind of a fad. And it's it's been it's one of those you know we see those things these things pop up and they do well and people make a lot of money and then they hopefully move on. Whoever wins, it's a great time to celebrate toys. And it's a fun night, and I and I think people people get dressed up and they 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 get to sit down for a while so their feet stop stop throbbing and. Uh, you know, it's a time to celebrate the past year, but looking forward to this year, there's a lot of anxiety going into this year. According to NPD, we were down 4% in right. the U.S. Yes, we were. And and I keep getting asked by media people why that happened, and I finally kind of lost it today. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, this woman uh, was interviewing me, and she said, well, why is the industry down 4%? And I said, because people bought fewer toys. <laughs> Because it's hard to it's hard to say. There's so yeah. many factors. Well, first, first, first of all, um, there is a um, a general. Uh, I think it wasn't a great Christmas season this year. It was shorter, shorter, six days shorter. Walmart had. I think they just released their numbers today. I think they had a, not a great quarter, um, and uh, so I think that um, in general, retail is soft. Uh, and then, as far as the toy industry is concerned, you know, uh, last year, and, and not last year, the year before last was the when Toys R Us went out. Right. We had um, with with Toys R Us closing out all those toys, you had this tremendous yard sale. Right. Going on nationally, basically, and so that really filled up, and so we were only off two percent. Uh, but I think this year, Chris, what we're seeing, I think this 40% decline uh, is really uh, the result of toy. We're seeing the, the chickens come home to roost. Right, on you've, toys you've been us. saying that, and I think it's right. I think there's uh, also a lot of anxiety around store closings uh, and what does this mean? And I, and we all know that uh, online say retail is, is picking up a lot of the slack. But yet, uh, these are institutions. Now, this is not a toy company, uh, a toy retailer, but Pier 1 went bankrupt. Now, Pier 1's been around a long time. Where am I going to get my wicker? Right. <laughs> <laughs> or your bongo drum. Or my, or my tiki torches. <laughs> right. And, and uh, Macy's is closing a huge a number, number of stores. stores. Uh, so we are continuing to see this drawdown 
in at retail in, in in physical retail. Now, when physical retail declines, um, it hurts us because although we do pick up business online, thank you Amazon. I think what we lose is all those sales that take place that were not meant to be. Right. Unplanned purchases or impulse purchases. Right. Or, and that all that incremental revenue, it adds up. So as an example, this is what it used to be like. I would go to the retail store and I go into the toy department, whether it was Cabbage Patch or Silly Bands or whatever, I would buy that product. And while I'm there, I would maybe pick up three, four more other toy items. Right. If I go shopping online and I want that hot toy, I'm really just looking for that hot toy. Right. So I think there's a lot of incremental business that doesn't take. I was just a kid screen down in Miami and several people from studios were citing a statistic and I, and I didn't get the source, but they were uh, that this was the first year that more than 50% of children's uh, merchandise, total children's merchandise was bought online. And so that includes toys. I don't think toys is quite at 50% yet, but most toys are, are bought for kids over three in response to a request. So mom or dad or whomever fulfills the request online and they're done. They're not walking down the aisle saying, oh, I love that. Or I think they would love that or, or and, and just throwing it into the cart as well. So I think you're, you're completely right. So those are the I think those are going to be the stress points for people attending uh, Toy Fair. Um, uh, Chris, I, I just as some advice to maybe some folks who haven't been before or who goes i think one piece of advice i would like to pass on is um i know you're there to do business but the most important person you meet at toy fair may be the person standing behind you in the coffee line so so take the time to stick out your hand uh -huh. introduce yourself uh and find out who they are and uh, I, I think you may find that extremely rewarding. Well, it's a, it's a, like many businesses, it's a business about connections. So who you meet and who, who knows who it's going to, what's going to happen down the road, but making those connections is nice and it builds the network of the industry. And that's why we're there to interact with other people. Well, do you have a uh, hint or a tip for people? Uh. <laughs> we could cut this out. Yeah, but I, I, I think... Um, I, I think my I think my biggest hint for people is that it's really hard to stay on schedule and it's really so no that's stupid um, I, I got another one I can throw in while you think okay another thing that I think I would and this is having having been a lot of time and learned this the hard way try not to drink too much <laughs> when you go out at night because it really does sap your energy. Uh, right, and you're there to and you're there to work, and I'm not I'm not saying don't drink. I'm saying go out, but drink lots of water, and then some of the hotels uh, you can't open the windows, and they're very dry. I wonder why you can't open the windows, <laughs> and they're they're very dry rooms. And if you've been drinking again, it can make it difficult to sleep if, right. if, because you're dehydrated. So drink a lot of water, and maybe have one less drink. Have one less drink, but my favorite one of my because I don't drink. One of my favorite Toy Fair stories is being at a party and having somebody who'd been liberally imbibing uh, accidentally revealed the royalty rate that a major entertainment <laughs> company was charging. And I turned to him, I said, 
you just didn't mean to tell me that, did you? And he said, oh, my God, please don't tell anybody. And I, I never have. So uh, until now. <laughs> I don't, right. Well, I just, I'm not, no specifics. Uh, but, I know. I know. But I, th- I think taking time to sit down during the day is important. You will. It's kind of like going to a museum. The, the, the phenomenon of museum fatigue or gallery yes. fatigue when you are seeing so much stuff it's hard to it's hard to remember it uh take Chris, notes it's, it's a really good point you do I, I really like that because I don't know about you but if you if you just keep walking and walking those aisles after a while it blurs right you don't see anything anymore uh, and it's but it's a sense I've got to keep going and you're absolutely right take some time to sit down. And, and even use your brain differently. Do Play a game or right. a puzzle or something. And I, I think that, that keeps you coming at it fresh and, uh, you know, try to get enough sleep. That, that's the corollary to not drinking. Try, yes. to, try to get enough sleep because uh, there, there's nothing, no, no matter how worrisome that will be, that isn't better if you have a good night's sleep. That's right. Well, Chris, I'm uh, and you, and I'm looking forward to seeing you at Toy Fair and to seeing everyone else out there at Toy Fair. And we would ask you to say hello. Stay tuned for our next uh, episode where we'll have some people uh, sharing their views of Toy Fair and how it was for them. 